Welcome to the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast with your hosts, John Fish and Ryan Venancio. What's up, everybody? Welcome in episode 26 of the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Fish, joined as always... Right, Ryan Venancio. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, Fish? I'm excited to uh, wrap up our position podcasts. Um, I feel like we've been doing it for six months. Um, it's nice to start. Uh, we're going to start having guests on after this, and I'm uh, you know, excited. Um, we got spring training going now. Well, almost. Not spring training. Pitchers and catchers going now. Um, it's officially baseball season. I'm fucking stoked. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, being done with the position previews. We got a lot of things we're looking forward to doing, uh, including uh, a live stream of a fast DC that we're going to do. Um, probably not for a couple of weeks still, but sometime in March, we'll get it going. Uh, pick a night and we'll see if we can um, get it filled and torture ourselves for like four hours doing a 50-round fast draft. So. Uh, I don't know how much we'll live stream. Maybe we'll do like the first 20, 25 rounds. Maybe we'll do the whole thing. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I'm looking forward to doing other things other than breaking down positions. But uh, let's just dive in. This is the we're going to the part three of our pitcher breakdown. Um, we're going to do it a little bit different than we have with the first two. We're not going to go over every single player. There's just so many. Uh, I was t- we were talking before we got on like if we did the next like 25 pitchers, we still would, we would not be talking about players like Jose Barrios and uh, like Trevor Rogers. And it's like, you know, we need to talk about it, like brush over at least some of, you know, some of these guys that are going a little bit later. Um, so we're going to kind of do a little different. We're, like I said, we're going to do uh, clumps of like four or five players. So, and then um, we'll just see, you know, if, who Ryan is uh, interested in talking about and uh, who I'm, who I'm going to, you know, be talking about, and we'll just kind of go from there. So uh, we kind of left off with uh, Clayton Kershaw would be the next on the on our list. Nick Lodolo, um, Kyle Wright, Lance Lynn, Ryan. Any of those guys interest you at all in this uh, draft season? Um, yeah. So uh, I've actually really been in on uh Lance Lynn um he was really really good in the second half um I haven't drafted enough of him but um you know he's just a really solid pitcher that's gonna give you bulk innings and I feel like he's a nice uh nice uh sp3 probably sp sp3 sp4 um yeah um I guess one one positive, one negative. I guess uh, the negative one would be Nick Lodolo. Um, I had talked about it on uh, uh, Johnny L's pod. Um, they had me on uh, uh, the other week. And um, I don't know. I, I guess my issue with Lodolo is that people don't really treat Great American – I mean, they do. They do. I shouldn't say that. But Great American Ballpark is basically Coors. Um, and it's really hard for me to draft Lodolo who struggled against right-handed batters last year and is pitching in great American ballpark and has a command issue and, um, only made 19 starts last year. So I, I don't know, I guess there's too much, uh, I don't love in Lodolo's profile. And again, he's got great stuff and he's a good pitcher. He's going to be a good pitcher. In the future, but I feel like in redraft, he's going uh, a little bit high, a little bit too high for my liking. Yeah, you just think wins are going to be pretty hard to come by uh, for for Lodolo. That park, you know, the team context is just uh, you know a couple of things that are basically out of his control that um, unfortunately will lead to negative uh, fantasy results. I think, but uh, yeah, we love the high strikeout potential, but you know. There's other guys around here that also have high strikeout potential. Like I would take Lance Lynn over Lodolo as well. Uh, yeah, Lynn has always been a favorite of mine. I love watching him. He just, <laughs> I mean, he obviously isn't uh, doesn't have the best physique in the world, and I can appreciate that. But I love his intensity, and I love the fact that he just you know throws so many fastballs and just like challenges you, you know. And he's 
Um, you know, we saw him start off kind of slow last year, but he finished the season uh, in the second half. He was back to, you know, essentially his normal self. And um, over his final 62 innings, uh, you know, he had a 218 ERA and a .98 whip. So um, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that from Lance Lynn. I know a lot of people are down on the White Sox, uh, but I don't know. I don't really know why, I guess. Like, I feel like they had basically all their players, all their their lineup got hurt essentially at points last year. Did they all get hurt again? Possibly. Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that, you know, Lance Lynn started off slow. Then he was, you know, solid down the stretch. If he can bounce back and be solid, I think Cease is still, you know, a good starting pitch at the top. You know, it, su- it sucks with Liam Hendricks at the back end of the bullpen. You know, I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but yeah, Lance Lynn's definitely a guy that um, I still like their lineup. And I, th- I think that, you know, that's, that could lead to a lot of wins for him. Yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, Lynn uh, dominated the second half of the season. And um, uh, he added a, a slider last year um, that performed pretty well. Um, again, he didn't throw it a ton, but um, it's sort of nice to see because he's really just like an all-fastball guy. But now he's starting, you know, throw more of a curveball, more of a cutter. Um adding in a slider, change up. So maybe becoming more of a complete pitcher as he gets older. Um, I've just always been a fan of Lynn. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good pick there. Yeah. Uh, next uh, group of players, Joe Ryan, Freddie Peralta, Lucas Giolito, Jesus Lazardo. Uh, you got any, any interest in uh, any of those four? Yeah, so Freddie Peralta is one of my favorite uh, – I don't know. I don't like saying values. I guess one of my favorite uh, picks on the board. Uh, he's just so, so good. And as long as he is healthy in spring training, I will be drafting tons of Freddie Peralta. Um, this is a guy that was – what was he, a top three, four-round pick? And the skills are the exact same as they were before. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is one of the better picks you can make if you're looking at starting pitching. He's just uh, ridiculously good. He has four pitches. They're all good. He has a really good fastball. Uh, we love that. And it's just, you know, he's had a couple injuries in the last two years. Yeah, he had the shoulder issues. I mean, he did only throw 78 innings last year. But he um, was healthy to end the season. And even though he was show- he was throwing short stints, I at least like to see that he came back at the end of the season and was pitching. Um, so again, as long as he's healthy in spring, I will be drafting. Like in my big leagues coming up, I will, be- I will have lots of Freddie Peralta. I just think, uh, I think he's mispriced. But again, he might not be once he proves to be healthy in spring training. So I guess grab the value while you still can. Yeah, I know there's there was some concern because he uh, will not be participating in the World Baseball Classic, but uh, you know reports are that there's no injury concerns, so it's just yeah. uh, essentially getting getting ready for the major league season. Which honestly, that's perfect. I wish all my pitchers would be doing that. Um, you know, this uh, World Baseball Classic is kind of throwing a wrench into things. You know, one of these years we're gonna have a nice off season where everything is normal. Uh, <laughs> you know, we got World Baseball Classic this year. We had the lockout the year before. We had COVID. Uh, so, you know, it's been a while since we have had just a nice normal off season with a normal spring training and a normal season, but, uh, you know, hopefully next year. Um, what about Giolito? Uh, I know he's a guy that burned a lot of people last year. Um, I actually did not have any Giolito somehow last year, but the weirdest thing I did 47 drafts. He was not a fade for me. I just never got him. Um, so maybe he essentially was a fade for me and I didn't even realize it, but, um, what do you think about Giolito's prospects for bouncing back this season? So I wasn't a big fan going into the offseason. Um, and not that I got talked into him, but I just find him to be interesting because he supposedly got injured early on in the year and was pitching through it. Um, and that would explain the velo dip. And that would explain his stuff. I was checking out his stuff from 2020, early 2021 to late 2021 to early 2022 to late 2022. 
and the stuff has dipped as time has gone on, which is a concern for sure. But is does injury play a part in that? Um, also, XFIP is a little misleading for him. So what I, again for people that you know maybe don't know how some of these. Not that this is a crazy advanced stat, but how, how these work. What XFIP does is basically it takes FIP and it makes your home run rate league average. And the problem with doing that with a guy like Giolito is that he's had 1.3 homers per nine allowed in his last 350 innings. So regressing his home run rate to league average, in my opinion, isn't smart because you're essentially projecting him to do something he hasn't done Basically ever. I mean, he's had a home run problem his entire career. Um, so that's the one issue with using. I, again, people aren't, you know, drafting off XFIP purely, but I've seen a lot of people say, you know, Giolito had a 3.66 XFIP last year. It's like, yeah, he did, but, you know, he, he had a really high homer per nine, and he's always had one, and right-handed batters just absolutely fucking murdered him last year. Uh, so he did... Again, there's a reason for everything. Like he 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 didn't maybe he maybe didn't earn a four nine ERA, but he wasn't a three six six ERA pitcher last year. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm sort of torn. I haven't drafted any, and I'm not really interested. But um, I think I could be swayed if he fell enough, and I needed strikeouts. Um, and he is a guy that gets you innings, right? He's gone 160 plus innings four of the last five years, so that's nice to see. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. He's pretty polarizing to me. Yeah, I have not jumped back in at all, but yeah, I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. I mean, we saw 345 Babip. His Babip's never been over 300, um, and the left on base percent was also pretty low. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I'm probably not – I don't know. I guess it's going to be tough for me to take him just knowing what he did last year, but I don't think the results will be as bad this year as they were uh, the year before. Yeah, and it's just concerning to see a strikeout rate from 2019 go to 32% and then 2021 go to 28% and then go to 25%. So it's kind of like the same thing as Robbie Ray. I don't like seeing pitchers decline as they get older. Um and I know Robbie Ray won a Cy Young in 2021, and regression was due, but it's like the loss in VLO on top of the loss in strikeout rate. Uh, I don't know. It sort of worries me. So let me ask you, would you take Giolito or Jesus Lazardo? Hmm. It's a tough question. I think I would take Giolito for the innings um, and bulk. Um, my issue with Lazardo in what, well, like, yeah, he had a 30% K and 8% walk last year. That's great. Um, granted, it is it wasn't only 100 innings. That is great, but my issue with drafting a guy like Lazardo so early is that his fastball isn't great. Um, and it kind of worries me to draft a guy that early that doesn't have a great fastball. Like, he throws really hard. Um, but he doesn't get a lot of whiffs on it, and it generally gets hit pretty hard. Um, and before, um, so if we go to 2022, before September of last year, his fastball was not performing uh, that well. Um, he had a really good September. Uh, but before then, it was, you know, not... Uh, not great. Uh, and even on the season, it's, it was not great. Um, so I don't know. I guess, like, yeah, he had a 30% K and he's 25 years old and uh, he could get better, sure. But I think I think he made the leap last year. You know, he stopped throwing his fastball as much and he threw his changeup and curve more often. So that was like the leap that he made to become better. Um, now, where does the next leap come? I don't know. I don't think there is one. And I think... Uh, Drafting a guy this early that has innings concerns and has a mediocre fastball is just not something I'm going to do. 
but I fully acknowledge that like if he gives you 140 innings with I don't know 170 strikeouts and pitching for the Marlins, he'll most likely have good ratios. I don't think it's a nightmare pick, but it's just something I'm not going to do. Yeah, I think a lot of people get excited about the you know his final four four starts of the of the year. He had a 1.82 ERA, 0.85 WHIP with a 12.8 K per nine. So. Um, you know, we see those big strikeout totals, how we finish the season. And that's always what kind of sticks in people's minds is, you know, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, he was uh, obviously pretty solid down the stretch. So he's, uh, he's definitely, um, I do have a couple shares of him, uh, but he's not like a super huge target for me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would probably take him over Giolito. Uh, obviously I have. So, you know, that's just kind of where I stand with those guys. But uh, next group, Dustin May, Luis Garcia, Chris Bassett, Chris Sale. You got any interest in these guys? Yeah, so I actually have a lot of interest in Chris Sale. Um, his injuries last year were just so fluky. He, he, um, no, I forget. Did he break his wrists on the bike after the season or did he do that in the season? I probably should have looked at this beforehand, but. That was in-season, um, I think. It was in-season. Okay, I was just making sure. I thought it was, but I wasn't 100% sure. It's just like, what? It's almost he's. It's almost like he's the, he was the Luis Robert of injuries last year. It was just crazy shit happening. It wasn't like anything chronic or I, I expect to happen again. Um, and then he broke his ring finger on a comebacker. <laughs> it's just like crazy shit that happened. Um. And yes, he only threw five innings. That is true. But we just saw Miles Michaelis throw 40 innings in 2021 and then 210 in 2022. Um, you know, guys that are in their early to mid 30s, they've, especially a guy like Chris Sale, he's thrown 200, he's thrown 150 to 200 innings multiple, multiple times. His arm can handle it. Um, I would not be surprised at all if he threw 150 innings this year. And he's just going late enough where I think it's like a, like I would, I think Chris Sale and Jesus Lazardo are equal levels of risk. And Chris Sale has a much, much larger track record and is just a better pitcher. So I don't know how Chris Sale could be going below Jesus Lazardo. That doesn't really make any sense in my head. Um, it's just a risk I'm going to take. Um, again, I acknowledge the risk. He's thrown 49 innings in the last two full seasons. Three, three seasons, if you count 2020. He didn't pitch in 2020. Uh, so 49 innings in the last three seasons. I acknowledge he's a risk, but he's going late enough where I'm just willing to take the risk and hope I get 150 innings of, uh, you know, 150 innings, 200 strikeouts, and a really good, really good ratios. Yeah, when he pitches, he's fantastic, you know. And if you, you look at it, his ADP, you know, over the last month is 157. So you're looking at round 11 in 15 teamers, and that's, uh, what is that, SP3? four probably um and my, some of my builds is probably sp5 but uh you know maybe it's sp3 like it, the upside is just tremendous and i think he's somebody if when we see him in the spring if he's back to being typical chris sale he's gonna shoot up out of all these pitches we're gonna talk about tonight he's the one that will shoot up five six rounds i feel like if he's uh throwing well in the spring yeah, absolutely. He could definitely fly up boards. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh uh you know a pretty big target for me. Um, so let's go to the next clump. We got uh, Jordan Montgomery, Charlie Morton, Pablo Lopez, and Jeffrey Springs. You got any interest in these guys at all? Um. Yes, I was a really big fan of Jeffrey Springs last year. Um, I pick him up on like literally almost all of my fab teams. Um, you know, sometimes you just get lucky. And uh, I happened to get lucky with Jeffrey Springs. He just had really good numbers as a reliever. I read that he was getting moved to the bulb, uh, moved to the starting rotation, and I picked him up everywhere. Um, and he absolutely dominated uh, for the majority of the season. He doesn't throw hard at all, but the command is really, really good. Um, and the fastball is really, really good. Uh, the changeup is an elite pitch. And, yeah, I mean, 26% K, 5% walk, and it, all of it, like, looks legit. He checks off all the boxes for me. 
And um, I don't know, he's 30 years old. I expect him to make a jump in innings. Um, man, if he gives you 150 innings, same, almost same thing as Chris Sale. If he gives you 150 innings, obviously the K upside isn't the same, but uh, the ratios being on a good team. And, you know, the one issue with him is that he's probably a five, six inning pitcher and no more than that, which limits the upside a bit. But, um, man, from like the end of May to the end of the season, he was just phenomenal. Um, and I, I don't know. Again, sort of same thing. Like, why are these guys going below Jesus Lazardo? Like, they, to me, are of a similar risk, but are more talented. Um, I'm just taking, like, springs and sail all day over Jesus Lazardo. And again, like, Lazardo, you know, 100 innings is the most he's thrown in the big leagues. So, like, I don't know why is he treated like he doesn't have innings risk. I don't know. I sort of, sort of like, as I'm talking more and more about these guys, I'm, I'm confused as to why he's going so early. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, the, not, the, that I, not that I think he's bad. I just, like, springs and sail to me are better. And they're, they're vets. They're 30-year-old vets, not a 25-year-old that uh, has had issues staying healthy. I don't know. I don't know. That's just, again, that's just me thinking out loud. I'm not trying to shit on anyone who likes Jesus Lizardo. I think it's probably because, you know, just the age factor. Like, I, I think people think that we haven't seen Lizardo's best season yet. Um, I do tend to fall in that in that basket as well. But, yeah, oh, he, is, sure. he's, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he definitely 20, hasn't yeah, proven it. So. Yeah, he's 25, of course. We definitely haven't seen his best season yet, unless he gets, like, you know, Tommy John or something. But, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that uh, it's just kind of the ceiling um, as opposed to somebody like Jeffrey Springs probably has a little bit of a higher floor, um, whereas Lazardo has a little bit higher ceiling. But again, the team context for Lazardo pitching for, you know, the Marlins isn't uh, isn't a great spot for wins. Obviously, the lineup is still subpar. The the bullpen is, um, you know, not great by any means. So, um, I you know, I, I can see the concerns for Lazardo. No question about it. Um, let's go on to the next group. Um, Drew Rasmussen, Tony Gonsolin, Brady Singer, and Kodai Senga. Is that how you pronounce it? Kodai Senga. Yes, I believe so. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, so I'll talk, I'll start off with my negative. Uh, Brady Singer, just not really a fan. And I know I'm a Kansas City Royals fan, but I just don't really know what he did differently than the year before. Um, the synchron slider usage were almost identical to the year before. Uh, his whiff rate on a sinker actually went way down from 21 to 22. And his whiff rate on a slider was essentially the same. Um, and his strikeout rate went up and his walk rate went way down. Um, Again, nothing really changed. He's basically the same pitcher he was in 2021. Um, he even gave up, but well, he had, actually had a worse barrel rate too. So he could have given up more home runs uh, in 22. I guess I just don't, I don't know. I think he's like a league average pitcher. And I think that's just, it's just way too high. Um, a league average pitcher going in like the 180s. Um, I don't know. I don't even see myself drafting Brady Singer in like the top 250. Um, I think Nate Evaldi is like a hundred times better. I, I I don't know. I guess I just don't. Um, I don't see it. A sinker, a sinker baller that throws 93, that doesn't have good stuff. That's all about like locating. Like that's like uh I don't know it's just, he's just a league average arm to me, and I yeah I don't, the, the walk I, I rate don't, I, mean, I don't see the appeal. It's it's got to be like the you know the walk rate going down, you know kind of led to the to, you know better results I would I would think because I do agree with you I don't nothing's really changed in his profile at all so, um, yeah I mean if your K rate goes up a little bit and your walk rate goes down you're generally gonna ha naturally have better results. So I think that's basically all it is. You know, what if that uh, if that walk rate regresses back to his, you know, career 
norm. Like you're going to be looking at the same type of picture as 2021. I don't think I have any shares of uh, Brady Singer this year. I had a bunch last year. Obviously, it worked out all right, but um, yeah, he's definitely not a target for me. Yeah, and he had a. Yeah, I, I kind of thought this would be the case. He was in K minus walk in full counts. He had a 13% K minus walk in full counts. And uh, that is a decent bit above league average. Again, league average is negative 3%. Um, I don't know. I just, he, he just relies on called strikes and a sinker. It's just not some, it's not a profile that I'm ever, ever going to invest a top 200 pick in ever. Um, and again, I watch him a bunch. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big Royals fan. I, I just don't see, uh, I, I see a four ERA pitcher with under a K printing. Um, maybe he has a good whip because he doesn't walk a lot of batters. Even if it does regress, he still doesn't walk a lot of batters. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Like at least in Jesus Lazardo, I get it. You know, the strikeout upside's there. He's 25 years old. Uh, Singer's literally just a sinker slider pitcher with no upside in my opinion. Um, I, I don't see it. Anybody else in that group that you are interested in? I think uh, Drew, Drew Rasmussen is somebody that you and I both uh, kind of like. So do you want to explain to everybody what it is that you like about him? Yeah, so Rasmussen, um, to me, like this is an upside play. That I, this is the guy I want to take. And he, you know, he showed results in 2022. Um, he's got nasty stuff, really good slider, uh, really good fastball, and he's got the plus command. Um, he didn't, he didn't show like full strike, uh, in my opinion, he didn't show his full strikeout upside last year. I think there is more there again, because he has the plus stuff. Um, the cutter is a solid pitch and he's got really, really good fastball and slider. Um, and last year was really his first full season as like a starter. Um, so I, I just think even though he's, you know, a bit older and yeah, not really he's 27, I think there's like, even though he had a 21% K last year, this is why I don't like K minus walk is very important, right? It's a very important stat. It will lead you in the right direction the majority of the time. But I think it could be sort of misleading in not smaller samples, but in terms of like uh, someone's upside, like Brady Singer had a 24% K last year and Rasmussen had a 21% K. But Brady Singer has no upside given his pitch mix and how the, how he pitches. Rasmussen, in my opinion, has upside because he's got fastball velo, spins the ball very well, has two plus-plus pitches, and last year was his first season as a starting pitcher. Um, so that's why I'm going to be more in on like that type of profile. I just think uh, you know, Rasmussen's um, – no, I'm sorry. Rasmussen has uh, average velo, not plus velo. That's fine, yeah, I just miss I just misspoke there, but um, yeah, it's just sort of uh, the profile I not even want to take a chance on because he was good last year. That's just the kind of pitcher I'm going to take because I think there's a next step in there. Whereas again, I don't think there is with Brady Singer. Yeah, if you look uh, back 2019 at Double A, um, Rasmussen did start 18 games and he had 11.36 K per nine. So. The K upside is there. Like you said, he just didn't show it as much last year. Maybe he's just trying to get stretched out a little bit more. Um, to you know, he was taking on a little bit more of a workload. But uh yeah, I definitely uh I definitely have a lot of interest in him. Uh yeah, again, next- again, he was he was great last year, like without the K upside. So right, yep, absolutely. Uh, next group of guys. Uh, John Gray, Grayson Rodriguez, Lance McCullers, Reed Detmers. Um, you have any interest in these guys? Well, you were saying that you um you wanted to talk about Lance McCullers, so I, I kind of I'm kind of interested in what you have to say about Lance McCullers. Yeah, I just think that um you know he's a guy that uh, I don't know if he's going too late. Um, I know he does have some injury concerns, but he was he's pretty solid last year, and he's a he's a fixture in the Houston, you know, starting rotation. So uh, obviously Houston is an elite team offensively. They have an elite bullpen. Um, you know, we did see f- uh, only 47 and two thirds innings last year, regular season from, uh, from McCullers, but he did pitch to a two, two, seven ERA. Uh, the whip has never been real solid from him. 
But I just think that uh, I don't know. There's this is a guy that I like take shots on. He's like your SP five. I mean, if he if he if he comes out and throws 170 innings, I don't would I don't think anybody should be surprised if he wins 15 games. Um, you know, his ERA has always been pretty solid. He had 185 strikeouts and 162 in the third innings in 2021. So I don't know. He's just uh, he's not a huge target for me. Um, but I, I see a path to really out earning his draft price. Yeah, he definitely has the strikeout. He has the stuff um, to be a really good uh, pick at that price. Again, like you mentioned, the concern are the injuries that he's he's dealt with. And again, he's had some seasons where he stayed mostly healthy, so it's not like all it's not like a disaster. Um, but that's definitely um, definitely make a lot of profit uh, taking him where he's going. Um, I'm sort of interested in Reed Detmers. Uh, he started off slow. He got sent to the minors. He threw his old slider um, something. He, like, ditched his current slider for his old slider, something like that uh, that I remember reading. And it really showed in the stuff. If you go, Eno has stuff by pitch, and that slider is really, really nasty. Um, And it really, really helped him uh, down the stretch. It was... Um, it was just a really good pitch for him last year. Now, my one concern... So this is where Lozardo should be going, in my opinion. He should be going right where Detmers is going. Uh, Detmers, in the second half of the season, had a 25% K and an 8% walk. That's a, that's about what I expect from Lozardo. Um, I guess the one knock on Detmers is that he might be in a six-man rotation. Um, we haven't heard what the Angels are going to do yet, but uh, they generally go with a six-man. Um, so that that's... That'd be why I guess Detmers is a little discounted. Um, but uh, I think he's an interesting target here. Again, my one issue is that he doesn't have a great fastball. And again, that's sort of talking about that a lot, but that's one thing I really like to look at in terms of uh, just one thing I, I really like to look at. So um, I don't know. I think he's a fine, like if he's your SP four or five, I think that's pretty solid. Um, again, I just think this is where Lazardo should be going. I don't think there's a huge gap in talent here. Like, yeah, Lazardo probably has like better off-speed stuff, but overall, I think they're they're fairly similar. What about Grayson Rodriguez? How many innings for him this year? I think that's kind of the only concern that I'm seeing. Um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, and I think that's uh, the main concern that everybody has is how many innings. Will Grayson Rodriguez throw? We all know that he's got the potential to be, you know, an ace. Um, but how many innings you got for him this year? Probably 120. Um, I honestly think he could be. Before I talk out of my ass, I want to look at this real quick. I think he could be. Yeah, I think he could be 2021 Trevor Rogers. 28% K, 8% walk, and even Grace Rodriguez has elite command, so he might even have a lower walk rate than that. And uh, Trevor Rogers made 25 starts and went 130 innings. I think we see, if Grayson Rodriguez stays healthy, I think we see something similar similar to that. Um, I think this guy's going to be a top six, five, five, six round pick next year. He's very, very, very good. He commands both sides of the plate. He's got really good stuff and really good command. Of course, the issue is the innings. I think 120 is reasonable if he stays healthy. Um, I read that the Orioles aren't going to like push him, so he might go five innings, some starts, which I get why people wouldn't want to draft someone like that. But I think in terms of ratios, when he's healthy, I just think he's going to be very, very good. Um, he's uh, he's my number one pitching prospect in baseball. I know a lot of people have Painter over him, but I have uh, Grayson as number one. Now my number one, I, I just, he's just very, very talented and a lock to start the year as uh, in the opening day roster for the Orioles. Yeah, I think uh, I don't have an issue with the five innings where the issue comes in is when he only goes four or four and a third, you know, can't get you. It hits the pitch limit in the middle of the 
can't get through five. That's where the frustration comes in because obviously you can't get a win. I wish Baltimore would if would go with an opener with his starting with when he starts essentially and when he's it's his day to pitch because then you know you get an opener get to the first then he can pitch two through five if they had the lead he gets the win for fantasy <laughs> that would be like ideal yeah, you know be nice for fantasy yeah yeah I mean I don't know it's tough uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to project how many innings per game he's going to go that's really just impossible to. Project mm-hmm. until we like see him pitch in spring training and how many pitches he goes at the end of spring training. So if you want to say it's a risky pick right now, uh, I think that's fair. Um, I just don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to project something I don't think you can right now. Um, so if he's going 80, 85, 90 pitches at the end of spring training, I think that's ideal. Um, then I think he can be a five inning pitcher again because he has such good command that um, it's not going to be like Edward Cabrera where he throws 90 pitches in three and two-thirds innings. <clears throat> That's not like the type of guy he is. So um, I'm, I'm pretty confident in his success this year. He would be um, – he'd be one of my picks to win uh, AL Rookie of the Year for sure. So speaking of Edward Cabrera, he's in our next group. We got Andrew Haney, um, Sonny Gray, Patrick Sandoval, and Cabrera. Um, any interest in any of these four? Uh, Andrew Haney for sure. I just think he's a he's just a good pitcher. I've always liked Andrew Haney, but he's always had a home run problem. Still does have a home run problem, but the uh, the K to walks always there. Again, the obvious issue is that he's literally always injured and he's literally always giving up home runs. So, I think he's going late enough, where. You know, it's not like anything the Dodgers taught him. He's just going to, like, fucking forget and, like, be bad again. So I think he's good. And, again, where he's going in drafts makes sense to take him where he's going. Um, My issue with this group is Edward Cabrera. I just – I don't know if he has the command to be a starting pitcher. And that's a huge, huge red flag for me. Um, again, he's going to be a guy that goes three, four innings, a lot of starts because he throws so many pitches to get through those innings. And he's a young guy that's had injury issues in the past. Um, I just don't know. I mean, I'm definitely not going to have him on any of my teams. So I guess I should, I should, I guess I shouldn't say, I don't know. I'm not going to have him on a single team. Um, but I mean, yeah, I guess he's talent. He's talented, uh, for sure. Um, he throws like a 92 mile an hour changeup, like something absurd like that. Um, he throws hard. He's got, you know, a good secondary pitch, but I just, just not someone I'm ever going to drift. Um, I think there's way too much risk there. The command of his fastball is just not there whatsoever. And you're basically banking on it being there next season. And I can't do that this early in the draft. Yeah, I think he turned some heads last year when he came up and his first start was at Colorado and he goes six scoreless with nine strikeouts. <laughs> One hit. You don't see that very often at uh, at Coors. Um, no, and they follow that up with six innings and one earn um, in a win. So he started off really hot last year, but then, uh, you know, he had a, a couple of rough starts and there were a couple of really good starts as well. Um, but if you look at his good starts, it was outside of the one at Colorado, it's, home against Washington at Oakland. Um, so, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, weaker lineups in baseball that he, you know, kind of dominated a little bit last year, but he's got the same issue with all the other Marlins pitchers do like, especially and it's even worse for him. Like you said, he doesn't go deep into games. So he's got to rely on more of the bullpen and he's got less innings to work with, with the offense to get him a lead. So uh, wins are definitely going to be a huge issue for him. I would think. Uh yeah, anything else you got to add, uh, any of those guys? No, I mean, and again, to your point about Cabrera, he went an average of five innings per start, which is pretty bad. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think the command is there. Yeah, move on. Next group, Alex Cobb, Jack Flaherty, Nate Eovaldi, and Jose Barrios. Um, I know you mentioned Eovaldi. Um, why don't you go into a little bit of detail about what you like about Eovaldi? 
Yeah, so I get that he's had injuries in the past. And I get that he lost Velo last year. But it was a hip issue. So I don't think it's something that's not like correctable, you know? It's not it's not like he had an elbow injury or a shoulder injury and missed months and had Velo drop. Uh, it was like a hip thing. This, in my opinion, is the best value in the entire draft board. Um, I, I think I have him as my 32nd ranked pitcher, 30th ranked pitcher. Um, and he's going like absolutely nowhere close to that. Uh, the fastball's good. The split finger's outrageous. His slider's really good. His cutter's good. His curveball's really good. Like, it's just like, and his command is really good. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. He's a guy that has five pitches and good command, and you can get him around pick, what, 250? I just think that's a fucking joke. Like, yeah, he struggled in the beginning of last year, and he got hurt, but this is still a very, very, very good pitcher. Um, And I'm going to have – I have him on so many teams, it is so ridiculous. So I might even have to stop drafting him because I'm going to have, like, close to 80% share of Nate Evaldi. Um, but he's just uh, way too good to be going this late, in my opinion. Yeah, it's. I think he's another another instance where, what have you done for me lately? Like the last time we've seen him was last year. He, like you said, he was hurt, so the velo was down. So like you know, just things kind of crumbled from there. Um, much like why Jesus Lazardo's going a little bit higher than you think is because he finished the season so strong. Well, Eovaldi was kind of the opposite, so that's why he's down. Um, a lot of these things are going to change in spring training. If we see, much like Chris uh, Chris Sale, if Eovaldi's velo is up in spring training, he will shoot up the board. Um, he'll be, you know, this is rounds and rounds, not just picks uh, of difference, you know, come drafts in, at, at the end of March right before the season starts um, if he's throwing hard in spring training. So um, if you're drafting early, like these are the kind of guys you kind of want to take shots on um, because if they don't work out, it doesn't really hurt you that much. Cause again, he's probably like your SP six, SP five, SP six, somewhere in there. So it's not the end of the world because a lot of these guys are not going to work out down here. Like that's just the nature of the game. So um yeah, I, I actually don't have any Eovaldi yet. I had a bunch last year. Um, I think this is just kind of the range where I'm taking a lot of other things. Um, the way I draft, I just draft such pitcher-heavy builds that I'm usually taking a lot of power bats in, in this range. So, um, yeah, 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 it's just like he was throwing 97 in the beginning of the year. And as Velo started to go down and down, um, you know, he was clearly pitching injured. And his fastball got fucking hammered when he came back because he's throwing 94 miles an hour. Um, yeah, if he's throwing 94 miles an hour to start next season, will I be concerned? Of course I will be. But again, I just because it's not an elbow injury, it's not a shoulder injury, it was something with his hip. So again, I'm not a fucking doctor. I'm not trying to like say it's not a big deal, but I don't, I haven't read anything that it was a big deal. I haven't seen like anything that would indicate that he's not going to throw hard again. So as long as he's throwing 95, 95, 96, 97 in spring training, uh, I think he's going to be perfectly fine and be a smash at ADP. Next four, Miles Michaelis, Jamison Tyon, Trevor Rogers, and, well, it was Ashby, but um, I think Ashby is obviously going to be crossed off out of there. So Miles Michaelis, Tyon, and, or Tyon, and uh, Trevor Rogers, any interest in these guys? Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Trevor Rogers. I think he's the same exact pitcher he was the year before. Um, like, yeah, he might have been due some regression uh, in 2022, but not that much. Uh, but again, just looking at his pitches individually, um, they look the same as they did the year before. His velo is the same. His command's the same. So I don't. What happened? I I don't know. He probably just threw too many pitches down the middle. Um, and sometimes, you know, guys just have bad years. Um, I'm going to take a chance on guys that I think are good coming off down years, like Rodgers and Avaldi, just because, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're any different. And uh, you're getting the discount because they, their ERAs were bad, which is perfectly fine with me. Um, but, yeah, just looking at everything under the hood with Trevor Rodgers, he looks exactly the same as he did the year before. Um 
So I don't know. I'm going to keep trusting him. Yeah, I think what what could go wrong did go wrong last year. Uh, you know, the walks walks were a little bit of an issue, three point eight per nine, uh, mm-hmm. which was up from two point two five. I'm sorry, uh, three point one one in twenty twenty one. So, you know, up a little bit. Uh, Babbitt three forty, pretty high, and then you know his left on base percent was pretty high or uh, pretty low. So, um, yeah, I think just uh, it was just kind of a a myriad of issues that kind of just, uh, you know, led to a bad season. So, yeah, I don't think I would fully give up on him. I think he's, um, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned this to you off of, uh, you know, before we started recording that he's like a, a, a perfect bounce back candidate. Um, you know, I think a lot of people got burned by him obviously last year. Um, I did as well, a couple of leagues, but you know, 25 years old. So this isn't the end of the road, basically. Uh, He's easily a, a bounce back candidate for the season. Um, let's see. Next four off the board Merrill Kelly, Hunter Brown, Justin Steele, and Marcus Stroman. Any interest in these guys? Yeah. So I put out a tweet recently about Justin Steele. He, um, in 80 and a third of his 110 innings pitched. 80 and a third of 110. He faced bottom nine lineups against left-handed pitching. Now the Cubs were the 10, they were the 10th worst lineup against left-handed pitching. So I would say bottom 10, but he can't face the Cubs. He's on the Cubs. So 80 out of his 110 innings were against bottom nine teams against left-handed pitching. Um, and on top of that, like he's a one-pitch pitcher. Slider is really good. That's like it. Um, his fastball is like average-ish. Um, and it had a high whiff rate last year. But I I don't know. I don't know. I don't really see it with Justin Steele. Um, again, I get the, the K minus walk was good, but I think that's really, really matchup driven. And I think he is a borderline like streamer. And it's just way too early for me to be taking someone like that. Um, And he's got a high walk rate for a guy that doesn't strike out a ton of batters. I don't know, man. Again, this is just a profile that I'm never going to draft. I'm going to have zero Justin Steele for sure. Um, I'm just, I'm not saying it. Yeah, same here. I think people are losing their mind about how he, you know, went on that nice little run with the, with the strikeouts. But like you mentioned, if you look at it, Miami, Washington twice, uh, the Brewers who cannot. Yeah, the Brewers are bad against left handed. He faced them like five times. He yeah, them Brewers so are, many times. Brewers are terrible against left handed pitchers. So, um, yeah, so that, and then you, you factor in a one, three, five whip. So all those things that went right. And he still had a one, three, five whip, which is horrendous. So obviously uh, he's, you know, not even in consideration for me. Um, I actually would rather his teammate, Marcus Stroman to me, he's just um, a little bit higher of a floor, uh, you know, maybe not as much K upside, but you know, I'm not going to get murdered by a one, three, five whip uh, like I would with steel. Um so Strowman to me is kind of like a guy that I want at the back end. Again, I go pitcher heavy early in drafts, which means I'm usually getting a lot of high K guys. So I'm not really looking for strikeouts as much um, at the back end of my uh, fantasy, you know, rotation. So I just kind of need stabilizers, There's guys that will, you know, I can rely on. They're going to be in the rotation. Um, you know, they're going to get you double digit wins. They're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be 200 strikeout guys, but, um, they're also not going to be guys that uh, murder your ratios. And to me, Stroman is like that prototypical type of person I'm looking for. Yeah, I actually like Stroman. He's got good stuff, plus command, uh, gets a shit ton of ground balls. Um, actually, not, does he still? Yeah, he still gets a shit ton of 52% ground ball rate on Savant. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. And having the infield defense of Swanson and Horner should help a guy like Stroman. Um, yeah, I think I think he's a good pick. And again, like Stroman has a track record of being really good. Like, why is he going near Justin Steele? <laughs> it was good for two months because he faced super shitty teams. 
Uh, I don't. It's just a sort of head scratching to me. Yeah, last year was actually the first year for Strowman that he was over one home run per nine. So he's always been under one home run per nine. Like you said, he gets a lot of ground balls, so he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. Um, yeah, so that's just uh, you know that's kind of a guy that I I, I like to target um, as long as I go with my pitcher heavy build, which I normally always do. So um Merrill Kelly I'll just mention him real quick I had a lot of shares of Merrill Kelly last year he was going super late um I've always kind of liked Merrill Kelly but for whatever reason I don't have much this year um do you have any interest in, in Merrill Kelly at all um he, he's actually interesting to me because I was short sort of shitting on him last year and people were like oh he's, his velocity is up a mile per hour and I'm like I, who cares his velocity is a mile per hour he actually, um, you know, he made some pitch mix changes and he um, looked pretty interesting. I just, um, I don't know. It's sort of the profile again. He's like a command, command first, uh, guy that doesn't throw hard, that doesn't have much upside. Um, if you need innings in your build, I think he's a fine pick. Um, you know, someone that's gone uh, 180 innings two of the last three full seasons. So that's nice to have. I just don't know how different he is than his uh, previously in his career. I think uh, I think he's sort of the same guy other than throwing his changeup 4% more often and throwing his cutter 4% more often. This is basically like the same pitcher he's always been. Um, so yeah, I think he's fine. It's just not someone I draft. Um I think it's uh, he's purely going here because he had a three three seven ERA last year. Is he going to have a three three seven ERA again? I don't think so. Yeah, things kind of just two hundred innings. Uh, you know that led to one hundred and seventy seven strikeouts. So the strikeout rate actually isn't very good. He had thirteen wins, which uh, you know matched his career high from two thousand nineteen. So yeah, a lot of things just kind of went right for him last year, and I. I I appreciate that, and I thank Merrill Kelly, and I wish him best of luck this year on other people's teams. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go, we'll do one more group here, and then we'll just kind of uh, put our finishing touches on starting pitching. But um, uh, Tyler Male, Tyler Anderson, Jose Arquiti, Eric Lauer. I'll, I'll include Carlos Carrasco in there. Any interest in those guys? Yeah, so Tyler Molly is uh, interesting to me. They said today, I read today, that he was working at driveline all offseason and that he has he's going to have no restrictions coming in. So he was a guy, a perfect example of a guy that I wasn't drafting because I wanted to wait to see reports on him, see if he was healthy because he ended the season injured. And now he's going around pick 260, and he appears to be healthy. So I'm, again, interested at Molly at this price, around 250, 260. I think, uh, you know, he's a plus command guy. Um, that's just a solid pitcher. And hopefully, it was pretty weird. He moved out of Great American to, to Minnesota, and the home run rate was still awful. So hopefully, a full season there, it should fix the home run rate. Um, but he's, he's a solid pitcher. And again, if he's going to be healthy, which it appears he is, um, he's got a good fastball that gets a lot of whiffs. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like Tyler Mali, uh, especially where he's going. Yeah, I have a couple shares uh, real early in draft season. Um None really lately. Uh, Carrasco is a guy I've kind of grabbed a couple shares of lately. Um, none of these guys are really that big of targets for me, though. Um, I just don't have a whole lot of excitement for really any of them. But, um, yeah, you know, again, I'm taking Strowman around this range to go with my pitcher-heavy build. So my pitching is generally almost all filled out at this point. So, um yeah, yes, I guess. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no. So a guy like Strowman's perfect. So you really just want volume with your last couple of guys. Yeah, yeah. Volume from guys that won't blow up your ratios. Yeah, that's kind of what I look for. 
Yeah, um, there was one thing I was going to mention about Carlos Carrasco, um, but I've had trouble with Savant. Yeah, my sort of issue with Carlos Carrasco is that his fastball has gotten absolutely fucking bludgeoned the last two seasons. Um, and I've seen a lot of people saying, like, because, you know, those like a uh, sort of cherry, and I know everybody does this. I'm sure I do this too, where you cherry pick a couple numbers. But I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, look how good uh, Carlos Carrasco's changeup and slider are. And, you know, they are good pitches. But his fastball that he throws f- almost 40% of the time, 35% of the time last year, has gotten murdered the last two seasons. So, like, while, yes, it's uh, it's nice to see what he does uh, with his changeup and slider. Like the fact he had a four ERA last year with a one three three WHIP does not like I, I would I would expect something similar next year. I don't think he's gonna like have any type of improvement. And he had fifteen wins last year, so is he gonna get you fifteen wins again? I guess it's possible on the Mets, but I don't know. Again, not really someone I'm too interested in, but. Uh, you know, especially because he's he's getting up there in age, and the fastball is most likely only going to get worse. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not something. I'm, it's not someone I'm really too in on. Yeah, you could. I, I think I've said this before on a previous pod, but or maybe it was just on Twitter or something. I can't remember. But basically, you could pick any player out and just pick a couple things that you like about them. If you're if you want to, you know, talk positive about them and the person you're talking with could pick two negative things. If you want to talk negative about them, like you could always cherry pick things in any direction for uh, in an argument, essentially a discussion. Um, so that's, uh, that's always no, something that's no. always interesting for me. No, hundred percent. And something I have been preaching um, for the last year or so is that I think everyone, you know, everyone has a process, right? I think you should stick to your process. I don't think you should listen to podcasts and like copy people's strategies or copy people's players. I think what you should take from pod, this is at least what I take from podcasts. I'll hear something about a player and go, oh, okay, I'm going to deep, I'm going to dive deeper into this player now, or, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to look into that more. Uh, I'm not really like, look, I'm not listening to like hear, oh, this guy likes this player. Oh, I'm going to start drafting him now. You know what I'm saying? So I think like everyone has a process and like, that's my, I'm not saying that Hazel Cesardo, Brady Singer, Carlos Carrasco, I'm not saying they're bad pitchers and that like they're fucking terrible picks. I'm just saying like, that's not the type of player I look at and it's not the type of profile I look at. I'm not saying that I'm going to be right hundred percent of the time. Look at me. I'm a genius. I'm not saying that it's just my process, you know, and everyone has their own process. You have a much different process than I do. Um, then, you know, we help each other out. That's sort of what I think, at least in my opinion, that's what you should take from podcasting. That's my, uh, that's my two cents. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. That's a uh, great point. Are the, uh, last thing before we get out of here, is there any prospects do you think that could make a huge impact this season? Um, obviously we mentioned uh, painter as, you know, uh, somebody that a lot of people are super high on. What about uh, Brandon, uh, what's his last name from Arizona? Uh, thought. thought, yeah, yep. Um, any any prospects? Those two guys. Uh, any other prospects that you think can make an impact for this season? Um, I guess he's still technically a prospect because he's a rookie. But DL Hall, I like a lot. Um, and I know people aren't going to draft him because they're going to see his uh, minor league walk rates. And be like, oh, I can't take a guy like that because he's going to be a rookie and has high walk rates. But actually, pitching the majors last year, and even though it was as a reliever, his command numbers were actually like league average. And when you watch him pitch, like this kid's legit. He's really, really legit. Um, nasty, nasty stuff. He's going to be a frontline starter at some point in his career. Um, and I think where he's going in DCs around pick 550 he can he can be a reliever or a starter or a piggyback guy or a multi-inning like he can have whatever role he has he'll be valuable to you around pick 550 so i think he's going to give you k's and um you know just be able to play any role for you like just a guy to plug in whenever you need a a pitcher in there um I, i i i normally don't like drafting prospects that i haven't seen 
in the majors yet on the pitching side, just because it's so complicated with like how fastballs translate against minor league as opposed to major leaguers, how like if someone can't command the ball, how does that translate to the mid? You know, there's so many more factors uh, for pitchers than hitters and how that translates to the big leagues. So I would much rather take a guy like D.L. Hall, who I've seen pitch in the majors for a tiny bit and I have data on him, than like a Brandon Fott. Even though I read reports about Brandon Fott and they're all positive, I still don't have any data in front of me, right? So I would I would rather take a guy like D.L. Hall. Um, but yeah, that's that that would be um that would be my one pick. Nice. Um, I just thought about it. We gotta we gotta mention him because you've <laughs> you've been uh, kind of getting me to draft him a little bit. Uh, Hayden Wisniewski, Cubs. You want to talk about him a little bit quick before we get out of here? Sure, sure. I think he's um maybe putting a little bit. Uh, too high of expectations on a, on a on a rookie, but I think he's like a Corey Kluber starter kit. Um, he's going to be a primary slider guy. Wicked, wicked, nasty slide. Like one of the nastiest sliders I've ever seen. Um, and he throws a sinker and a changeup to attack lefties, and he's got the slider and the cutter to attack righties. Um, the one issue with him is that his fastball, even though it looked like it was really good last year, the stuff... Um, the stuff on his fastball isn't great. The good thing, the good thing is that he commands it well. So he has that going for him. I just think, I don't know. Um, I think he's a legit five pitch pitcher that has plus command that gets ground balls to me. Again, to me, he's like baby Corey Kluber. Obviously I don't expect him to be like Corey Kluber was a top five pitcher in all of baseball, but it's like the arsenal and the way he pitches just very, it really reminds me of Corey Kluber. Um, and I don't know. I, I just think he's really damn good. And if his price is going to drop because people think Drew Smiley and Adrian Sampson are taking his uh, spot in the rotation, that's that's fucking beautiful. Uh, I will happily buy the dip because he's going to pitch a lot of innings for the Cubs last, uh, next year. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Um, any other th- Anybody else you want to talk about on the pitching side? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll throw one more thing out there. Um, and I, and I know in our little group chat, we have a, we have a thing about Dre, uh, Dre Jameson. Um, yeah, we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he's going around pick 395 and Ryan Nelson is going pick 555. Um, all jokes aside, Ryan Nelson's better than Dre Jameson. Um, I'm very, I'm pretty confident in that. So I would, um, I'd much, much prefer Ryan Nelson to Trey Jamison. Um, again, I don't know if that's a sort of bold take, but Trey Jamison is going 150 picks earlier and I'm, I'm pretty confident in Ryan Nelson being better. Um, yeah. So I guess that's a little bit of a bold take. Yeah, I actually do have quite a bit of, uh, Nelson already. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that out of you. So yeah, I got to start. Um, so it's it sucks. I actually play chicken with him a little bit too much in DCs, and then he gets, and then I'm I keep missing out. So I have to start pushing up Ryan Nelson in drafts. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, the thing is in DCs, like when you get down to those, you know, essentially those reserve rounds, like you just got to start taking your guys. You yeah, can't really worry ADP, about. The ADP is so random. Yeah, it totally depends on what draft you're in. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. Well, we did it. We made it through all the positions. Uh, I'm I'm happy to be done with it. Um, you know, once we did catcher, I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is pretty sweet. This is pretty sweet. And then by the time we got done with the infield, I'm like, oh no, oh no, we got <laughs> we have the outfield. We have tons of starting pitchers. I'm like, I feel like this is never going to end. So, um, yeah, yeah, we did it though. I'm glad we got through it. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into some some really good podcasts i think we um you know we kind of mentioned a few things we like to talk about uh coming up but i'm looking forward to that but uh yeah yeah next um real quick next week um hopefully next week we're gonna have daniel preppis on the pod and we're gonna talk about um uh our favorite 200 to 400 targets and we're gonna do um bench players in fab leagues um so i'm i'm actually really excited for that pod and again that might be next week um, we're going to figure out a date, but uh, looking forward to that.
Yep. Can't wait. All righty. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. Thank you for once again for tuning in to another episode. Ryan and I really appreciate the support. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Pile of Dial. Ryan is at Ven underscore Armbarn. In the words of the living legend, Wiz Khalifa, I've done a lot of work to get where I'm at, but I have to keep working. Peace!